Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service for September the 13th, coming to you from the Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We are so glad that you joined us and pray that this hour of worship will be a source of inspiration and draw you closer to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Now let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. God, let this be a fruitful day. In this hour of worship, open our eyes to beauty, tune our ears to harmony, the fragrance of your love permeating every moment, the touch of your hand guiding all we do. Let us worship God. Thank you. 
On Sunday mornings, we promise to love one another well, and by midday, we shout on social media, and we watch the news, and we feel anger and disgust for people we do not know. We turn again and again to the safe, the familiar, and the self-affirming. Jesus preached about anger and estrangement in ways that call for radical reconciliation. He did so knowing that everything that strains our relationship with others also distances us from God. That is why we come to this time of confession. We bow before your judgment seat, O God. We have ranked our sisters and brothers by the faulty standards of our society to decide who is worthy of our attention. We have rejected those whom we dislike and have been harsh with those we think do not measure up. We have been quite willing to overlook our own faults as we look down on other people. O oh God, you have shown us a better way. Save us from the pain we inflict and help us to discover the blessing of forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants to forgive us, but there is no cheap grace for those of us who are unwilling to change. To all who seek to give up jealousy and insults, anger and self-centered pride, God offers new life. God draws us into the community of forgiven and forgiving sinners in which we support and help one another. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us join the voices which have for centuries affirmed what we believe by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we come to the part of the service where we get to share God's love, share God's peace with one another. So take a minute to do that with the people who are with you that you love, the people who are separated from you that you love, and perhaps take just a minute and pray for those people you find difficult to love, that you might wish for them God's peace.
Well, good morning again and welcome to Church of the Palms. We're glad that you've joined us for worship this day. We have uh, lots of great things in store for our community life here at Church of the Palms. Even though we may be apart from each other, uh, there are many opportunities still to come together, including the beginning of our small group ministry, which starts this week. Uh, many of our congregation are reading the book Love Does, and they're gathering together in small groups, many of them on Zoom, some in person, and it's an opportunity for you to read a wonderful book and to be challenged to be thinking, especially about the fruit of the Spirit that we're looking at this month, the gift of love. So we encourage you to pick up a copy from the church office or call the church office and also call Pastor Mingy Brown uh, to find out how you can be a part of a small group that is discussing that book. Yes, we're looking forward to October the 11th. That is our reopening date for worship and we look forward to welcoming you here. We're gonna have all sorts of precautions in store for you so that we keep you healthy and safe. We invite you to uh, be thinking about uh, which service you're gonna be going to and we're gonna be asking you to register for the service of your choice one week in advance. So don't be registering now. You have to wait until October the 4th and we will give you specific details about how to do that. Uh, but we'll look forward to having you come on October the 11th and our theme for that re-entry uh, into worship will be we get to take care of each other. That will be our uh, mission as we seek to keep each, each person well and safe. We are looking for people to help us out with our uh, new and expanding digital ministry to come help us with uh, a variety of uh, things that we need to do with that, including manning cameras and uh, doing production work and so on and so forth. So uh, Sarah Soboleski would love to get your name so that we can include you in some training this month. And also we're looking for volunteers for our food pantry. We'll be shifting our food pantry to the other side of the campus center and we'll need your help to pack groceries and perhaps even to distribute food to those that need it. So also call the church office and let them know, or you can go on our website and sign up there. So uh, at our Connect magazine, we have uh, on page nine, if you have a physical copy or you can download it from our website, if you go to page nine, there is this memory verse for the month uh, from Romans chapter 13. And then also below it is a thing called love is, and it gives you space to write something in. For example, I'm saying love is reading to my granddaughter. And we invite you to do that, cut it out and take a picture with it and then send it in to Jackie Gomez and we would love to show pictures of everybody throughout our congregation sharing uh, to the rest of us what love means to you. So we hope that you'll do that. 
We uh, invite you as well to a couple of uh, groups that are meeting, Lectio Divina, a wonderful way by which you can learn about how to pray through Scripture and how to allow Scripture to speak to you, is meeting at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. If you'd like to be a part of that ministry, we invite you to reach out to Lori Haas, and she'd be glad to include you in that. God in Hollywood meets later that day at 6.30, Wednesday evening, and we'll be looking at the Academy Award movie, 12 Years a Slave. And so we hope you'll watch that beforehand, and then we will be discussing that at 6.30 on Wednesday evening. We are delighted to have Carl Ann Evans with us, our guest musician, uh, sharing with us her gifts. And we would like to bring you up to speed as to all the different projects that are going on around our campus and different uh, states that they are in. Uh, we are thankful for the Extra Mile campaign and your contributions toward that, which has allowed us the resources to be able to make these improvements to our campus. And so uh, we would love to show you some pictures and give you a status report as we look forward to having the campus fully ready for you uh, when you come back to join us uh, later uh, next month.
Let us continue to worship God in prayer. Our most gracious and loving God, we come to offer you our thanks. We thank you for the gift of beauty, beauty in the natural world, beauty in the souls of people, beauty in works of art and music and imagination. As we celebrate beauty, we are also thankful for your gift of grace given into our lives. Most especially, we are grateful this day for our relationship with you through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ever-present God, we bring before you our fears, concerns, and petitions, asking for your help with the crisis of our lives. We pray for resolution for the tensions of world politics, and we ask for your guidance of those who lead us and those who serve for our protection. We pray for brothers and sisters in Christ who live in places and circumstances of danger. Keep them safe and give them courage that they might be your witnesses of love. O God of all care and healing, we pray for those afflicted by any illness, including those with COVID-19. We ask for your protection for those who risk to care for the sick and who provide essential services for our lives. We raise before you all those who are sick or lonely or fearful or grieving. In your mercy, be with them. Bless them, we pray. We lift up those who are making their way home to you, O God. We thank you for being the God of hope and purpose who calls us as Church of the Palms to be a faithful community of faith. May our circle grow to include more people who have heard your call and seek for your grace. Bless our leaders and officers. Bless those who teach. Bless those who offer help. Bless those of every age, we pray. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now is the time we call the moment of gratitude. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we are indeed blessed by our God every day. We can, through our continued giving, help extend God's grace and blessings to others. On the screen are several ways that you can give. As the Apostle Paul invites us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, Paul said, Give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves cheerful giver. We invite you to extend and express your thanks to God through your support of this church's ministries and mission. Now let us give.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to cheerfully give and to be able to cast our resources upon your world such that they may become seed for the kingdom. And ask, O oh Lord, that we may, through them, share your good news to all the world, that the world may know that you so love the world that you sent your Son. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this is the time in our service called the Children's Moment, so we invite you to gather up the rest of your family if they are in other parts of the house for a little time with our children. And we want to remind you that uh, we have, right after this service, a uh, children's program. Uh, Miss Carol will be ready for you on a Zoom call, so be looking for that. And I'm sure you've already received an invitation, so she'll be waiting for you after the service. And our students will be gathering together this week for the first time in a while. Our middle school students will be gathering on Wednesday evening and our high school students on Sunday. And more information about, is, is about that is on our website, so you can go and find out about that. So I got a, uh, in the mail a couple of weeks ago a note from an old friend of mine that I hadn't heard from in a while and just sort of out of the blue he wrote me this lovely lovely note uh, thanking me for a couple things but just sort of rekindling the friendship that we've had over the years and I thought it was such a nice thing for him to do and, uh, and I thought about the fact that when you receive a letter from someone you love or someone that you are a friend with or acquainted with or maybe a grandparent or a parent or somebody it just gives you this wonderful feeling that somebody has thought about you and has cared enough to write you a letter and as I was thinking about that I was thinking about uh, my Bible my Bible was right there next to uh, my uh, this note that I was reading and I thought to myself you know uh, when I've been reading my Bible over the years and my Bible is in not such good shape because I've read it so much uh, it reminds me of the fact that when I read God's Word I am reminded that God loves me and it's almost like that God is writing to me a love letter every time I open up the Bible. In fact, I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it, what a great way to remember that. I put a stamp on my Bible just to remember that God is seeking to write me a love letter all the time. And I encourage you to read your Bible, especially with Ms. Carol and others, to find out about the ways by which God loves you. And I also encourage you, along with the rest of our congregation, to be thinking this month about writing a love letter yourself to someone maybe you know or maybe to a parent or maybe to your grandparents or maybe to a friend or maybe even just a love letter to God because that's one of the things we're going to be asking everybody to do in our congregation so that we can exhibit this particular fruit of the spirit the fruit of love so be thinking about that and then find uh, something to write on and write a little note and maybe drop it in the mail put a stamp on it and uh, let that person know how much you love them okay let's pray we thank you, O oh God, for your love for us. We thank you that you write to us a love letter every day. As often as we open up our Bibles, we hear your love for us. And pray, O oh God, that you may help us to find ways by which to share our love with those that we know, or maybe even those we don't know, by writing them a little letter to let them know that we're thinking of them. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Our Old Testament lesson is from 1 Samuel chapter 18. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul set him over the army and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. Thanks, Alan. Perhaps from the first scripture reading, you detected the theme of friendship, which we will be discussing today. Each month, we will explore one fruit of the Spirit, starting with love. Since the Greek language has four words for love, we found a match made in heaven for the four weeks in September. Last week, Steve started with storge, or family love. Next week, Pastor Steve will be talking about eros, or romantic love, and we will conclude with agape, which is the unconditional love of God. Today, we get to explore philia, which means close friendship, like brotherly or sisterly love. Philia is the most general form of love in the Bible, an encompassing love for fellow humans, care, respect, and compassion for people in need. Philia is the noun, uh, the verb is phileo. So here now, the New Testament reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, using the verbs agape for unconditional God love and phileo for friendship love. When they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said to him, you know that I phileo you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told him. A second time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, Peter said to him, you know that I phileo you. Tend my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Peter felt hurt because Jesus asked for the third time, do you phileo me? Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to you, the word made flesh. Amen. The female chimpanzee at the Philadelphia Zoological Garden died of complications from a cold on December 27th in the morning, 1878. According to the news report, Miss Chimpanzee died while receiving the attentions of her companion.
Both she and that companion, a four-year-old male, had been born and then captured in West Africa in April of that same year. In the wild, the chimpanzees live together in small bands of a half a dozen, and they sleep on platforms that they've built among the branches out of the boughs and leaves. But in Philadelphia, in the monkey house, where it was just the two of them, they had become accustomed to sleep at night in each other's arms on a blanket on the floor, clutching each other desperately, achingly, throughout the long, cold nights. Mr. and Miss Chimpanzee were two of only four chimpanzees in America, and when she died, human observers mourned her loss. But above all, they remarked on the behavior of her companion. For a long time, he tried in vain to rouse her. Then he went into a frenzy of grief. The bereaved chimpanzee began to pull out the hair from his head. He wailed, making a sound the zookeeper had never heard before. His cries were heard over the entire garden. He dashed himself against the bars of the cage and upon the hardwood floors. And when this burst of grief was over, he poked his head under the straw in one corner and moaned as if his heart would break. Nothing quite like this had ever been recorded. Even long after the death of the female, the male invariably slept on a crossbeam at the top of the cage, returning to inherited habit and showing probably that the apprehension of unseen dangers had been heightened by his sense of loneliness. Loneliness is grief distended. People are primates and even more sociable than chimpanzees. We hunger for intimacy. We wither without it. And yet, long before the present pandemic, with its forced isolation and social distancing, humans have begun building their own monkey houses. Before modern times, very few humans lived alone. Beginning not much more than a century ago, that slowly changed. In the United States, more than one in four people now live alone. In some parts of the country, especially big cities, that percentage is much higher. You can live alone, of course, without being lonely. And you can be lonely without living alone. But the two are closely tied together, which makes lockdowns and sheltering in place that much harder to bear. Plenty of people like to be alone. I myself love to be alone, but solitude and seclusion are different from loneliness. Loneliness is a state of profound distress. Loneliness, it seems unnecessary to say, is terrible for your health. The good news for us is that God designed us for relationships. I have never heard anyone say that they wish for fewer, less meaningful relationships. Each one of us longs to be more deeply connected with friends. And this is because God made us for friendship. From the very beginning, when God created the world, God pronounced that everything was good. 
But then once he created Adam, there's a statement that we read in the Bible that startles us. Something is not good. In Genesis 2.18, we read, it is not good that man should be alone. Adam was not yet complete. He needed community. He needed a friend. He needed a loyal friend. It reminds me of the two men who were hiking in the woods when they saw a bear, and the one man took off his pack, pulled out his running shoes, and started putting them on. And his friend frantically said, man, what are you doing? You can't outrun that bear. And the man said, I don't need to outrun that bear. I only need to outrun you. Well, we need a more loyal friend than that, or at least someone who is willing to try. A number of years ago, I read the book, The Same Kind of Different as Me, and I recently watched the movie with Greg Kinnear and Renee Zellweger. The book is much better, but I enjoyed this true story about a wealthy Dallas couple, Ron and Debbie Hall, who volunteered at a homeless shelter. Debbie poured her life and soul into the people that she met there. Debbie encouraged or maybe even badgered her husband, Ron, to befriend a volatile black homeless man named Denver who had been incarcerated for 30 years. They were two hard-hearted men who were polar opposites. The only thing they seemed to have in common was their love of Debbie. Well, after several weeks of showing up to help at the shelter, Ron finally got Denver to agree to go to breakfast with him. Ron found Denver's story fascinating, though tragic. Denver's wisdom was beyond belief, though he was totally illiterate. Eventually, Denver became Ron's professor in life, and Ron was his very willing student. But on this morning, when Ron asked Denver if he would be his friend, Denver was concerned because he had heard that when white people went fishing, they did something called catch and release. And this bothered him because his community always showed each other what they had caught, and then they ate what they caught. He couldn't understand why white folks would go to all the trouble to catch a fish, and when they caught it, just throw it back in the water. So Denver said to Mr. Ron, if you're fishing for a friend that you're just going to catch and release, then I have no desire to be your friend. Suddenly, Denver's eyes gentled, and he spoke more softly than ever before. And he said, but if you are looking for a real friend, then I'll be your friend forever. For all the attention we pay to heiress or romantic love stories, some of the most compelling tales, both fiction and not, are those of loyal friends like Thelma and Louise, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, Captain Kirk and Spot, Harry, Spock, not Spot the dog, Spock, Harry, Ron and Hermione, David and Jonathan, no matter what, these friends had each other's backs through thick and thin, despite all the many bumps that they encountered along the way. Well, over two millennia ago, the great first century Roman philosopher Seneca said, 
Ponder for a long time whether you shall admit a given person to your friendship. But when you have decided to admit him, welcome him with all your heart and soul. This thought captures the relationship between David and Jonathan. But you know, one of the most famous friendships of the Bible almost didn't happen. David and Jonathan were supposed to be enemies. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the very monarch that David the shepherd boy was appointed by God to replace. King Saul wanted to kill David, but Jonathan befriended him and risked his own life to warn David of his father's plans. From the moment Jonathan and David actually met, an immediate bond was forged between them. The Revised Standard Version says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan would be David's number one advocate and friend, and out of this deep phileo friendship love, Jonathan formalized his covenant with David by giving him his own royal robe and his weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. And this action seemed to transfer David's right to claim the throne. But true friendship requires mutuality. Psychologist Dr. Suzanne Deggs-White says, true friendships are hallmarked by each member's desire to engage with the other. It's about mutual interest in one another's experiences and thoughts, as well as a sense of belongingness and connection. Friendships require reciprocity of admiration, respect, trust, and emotional support. Do you remember the theme song from Toy Story by Randy Newman called You've Got a Friend in Me? One verse says, You've got a friend in me. You got troubles and I got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together. We see it through because you got a friend in me. Well, that kind of friendship loyalty and mutuality in our brokenness is what I remember of the friends George and Lenny in that classic book by John Steinbeck of Mice and Men. He tells the story of George Milton and Lenny Small, two displaced migrant farm workers who moved from place to place in California in search of new job opportunities during the Great Depression. Lenny Small is a large man with a mild mental disability. He is deeply devoted to George and dependent upon him for protection and guidance. However, their friendship and devotion is mutual as they share a dream of one day owning their own farm together. At one point, George defends his relationship with Lenny when he says, I ain't got no people. I've seen the guys that go around on the ranches alone. That ain't no good. They don't have no fun. After a long time, they get mean. They get wanting to fight all the time. Of course, Lenny's a darn nuisance most of the time, but you get used to going around with a guy and you just can't get rid of him. 
I hear that same kind of loyalty and mutuality in our brokenness through the exchange between Jesus and Peter. Peter had most recently denied Jesus three times and seemed ill-fit to be a disciple, let alone the rock which Jesus is going to build the church upon. But as Peter is declaring his love for Jesus three times, Jesus gives Peter, Peter, the guy who has troubles just like everyone else, that important assignment to feed and care for all of God's children. And most importantly, all of this has to be done through the lens of relationship, through phileo love. Jesus himself embodies phileo love. In Matthew eleven nineteen, Jesus was described as a friend to sinners. When Jesus called the disciples his friends, phileo was the word he used. Friendship is so important to God, and God knows it's important to us. I'd like you to listen to this poem called Staying Home by Rosemary Traumer. She beautifully weaves together the fear of isolation with the power of friendship. And when fear comes to the door, bringing flowers, acting as if it's a friend, it's okay to not want to let it in. It's okay to lock the door. It'll make you feel as if you're doing something. Fear will enter anyway. At least it won't expect a hug. It won't wash its hands, not even when you ask nicely. And it is more contagious than any virus, spreads without sneezes or coughs. It won't leave when you ask, but there are ways to make it quieter, like inviting a few others to join you, preferably gratitude, compassion, love, kindness, vulnerability. These friends always come when asked, wearing the loveliest perfume. They change the conversation the way lemon and honey change the bitter tea. They remind you who you are, invite you to look out the window and see how beautiful the world when the shadows are long. Friendship brings us the gifts of gratitude, compassion, love, kindness, and vulnerability. Friends remind us of who we are and whose we are. The value of friendship is unmeasurable, both given and received. Sally Bernithi wrote a story about her best friend, Paula, whom she met in first grade. She writes, when we were 10 years old, we saw an episode of Lassie in which Timmy and his friend pricked their fingers and became blood brothers. Paula came home with me the next evening. We dug a hole in the hard earth out behind my family's weathered old barn, took a thorn from the locust tree and pricked our thumbs, joining our blood. We buried the thorn, each adding an item we prized as the friends on Lassie had done. Paula contributed her dime store set of watercolors and I added a paperback book our most valuable possessions, but not as valuable as our friendship. C.S. Lewis wrote, 
Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. Well, as it turns out, King David valued Jonathan's relationship and friendship very much, and he was loyal even to the next generation. After Saul and his sons were killed in battle, David intoned a lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan called the Song of the Bow. All of the Israelites were required to memorize it. In one stanza from 2 Samuel 1:26, David wrote, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. In 2 Samuel 9, 1, King David says, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Saul's servant Ziba said, There remains a son of Jonathan named Mephibosheth who is crippled in his feet. When David was united with Mephibosheth, David said, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. God gave us the power of friendship to mitigate loneliness and to truly care for one another. Every friendship is a small and imperfect echo of the triune God who made us in his image, not to catch and release, but to be a real friend forever.
as every mother throughout history has said, if you want to have a friend, you have to be a friend. May God bless you this week as you nurture old friendships and cultivate new ones. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Thank you.